Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jordan's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by co-founder of Xyla Systems, Camille Goldstein-Henry. Thanks for joining Hi. Thank you so much. <laughs> Now, I'm really excited to have you on the show today as Xylo Systems is one of those tech companies that's making real meaningful change in the world with the technology. Now, with that comment, I'm going to turn it over to you, Camille, to say, what does the business do? Sure. So thank you for the introduction. That was great. I'm Camille. My background is in wildlife conservation. I'm a scientist, but now I'm running a tech company, Silo Systems. So our platform is a cloud-based AI platform that connects, tracks, and manages conservation impacts. So I guess I'll go a little bit into my background and, and how I came up with the idea of, of Xylo Systems the business officially began in 2020, but it's something that has been kicking around in my brain for quite some time. Working as a conservation scientist here in Australia, I worked on some really large projects globally, actually. So some critically endangered species, including the Tasmanian devil, the Sumatran tiger, the orange-bellied parrot. And it was through this work that I became quite frustrated with the lack of information, the timeliness of data to make data-driven decisions, particularly in the face of unprecedented biodiversity loss that we're seeing globally. And biodiversity consists of all of the plant and animal life that supports our ecosystems. Biodiversity is so important for our global food systems. It's really important for stabilizing the climate. So a great tool for fighting climate change. It's so important for our cultural well-being and our health. So everything that we do as humans is reliant on biodiversity. So what we're doing is aggregating data and making a platform that enables governments, conservation organizations, and even corporates to better understand what's happening with biodiversity and to impact meaningful change and meaningful projects that help preserve it for future generations. Absolutely love that. And it's a world far from my finance one, but one I'm definitely intrigued and passionate about. Now, I'm curious, do you make money from this platform? Is there a pricing model? How does that side work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we classify ourselves as a social enterprise, a profit for purpose business. So it's really important that we do generate revenue so we can wash our own faces and, and be sustainable into the future. So our revenue model is a subscription platform. So our online platform, governments, conservation organizations, and corporates can subscribe and pay an annual fee. So that's our main source of revenue. Right. And geographically, it's Australia. Do you have capacity or goals to move further as well? Yeah. So we're currently in Australia and New Zealand, but we have our sights set on global takeover. I mean, we want to take over the world with this. And there are so many important conservation challenges, particularly in areas like South Asia, Africa, South America. So we will be expanding globally. Our next market will be the US because that's probably the largest in terms of conservation organizations. There's over 15,000 conservation wow. not-for-profits alone in America. So it just goes to show how big this market is. And I think it's something that people don't often think of as a big market. Yeah, absolutely. It's opening my eyes to that. Now, you mentioned 15,000 in the US alone. How do you go and capture these customers? What's your go-to-market strategy? It's a good question. 
with myself and my co-founders background, we have quite a large network in the conservation space here in Australia and New Zealand. So our go-to-market here in this region is really that network effect, doing that one-on-one direct sales to the people that we know and the people that we know need this platform. We're working with early customers, including Taronga Zoo, the New South Wales government, And we're also starting to talk to larger conservation organizations like WWF. So to enable our global extension, we really aim to get on board these multinational conservation organizations and use them to launch into their international offices and leverage those partnerships and those relationships. Very interesting. And Camille, maybe give us to really hone into an example case perhaps of how and what and the work that uh, the platform's been able to achieve. So our target market right now, as I already mentioned, are conservation organisations. So we have a few early customers and partners, which is super exciting for us because we're a very early stage startup but we're working with a fantastic conservation organisation based in Victoria. They're called Odonata, and they are on a mission to preserve biodiversity by setting up what we call predator-proof sanctuaries. So they work with landholders and buy up land themselves, fence it off, remove all of the feral species, including foxes and cats, because they predate on our vulnerable native species. They remove all of those species from these huge fence parcels of land and release endangered species into these captive enclosures. When I say captive enclosures, they're all like hectares and hectares. They're huge. I was actually visiting one two weeks ago and it was at Mount Rothwell, absolutely stunning. But they have a plan to significantly increase their network of sanctuaries across Victoria and New South Wales. But they have a very small operational team and they have a lot to do in terms of what we call species management, ensuring that genetic diversity is maintained across all of these sanctuaries in terms of being able to trap certain species and move them around in terms of tracking how these populations are expanding over time to ensure that, again, they can move animals out if sanctuaries start to reach capacity. They have a very small operational team. But what we're doing is working with Odonata to not only digitize all of their current records, but help them capture information as to what's happening in the environment and help them manage their operational logistics so that they can expand to 30 sanctuaries in the next five years with their existing operations team. So they've got an operations team of about five, managing five sanctuaries right now, and that's their capacity. But with our platform, they can expand out to 30 sanctuaries, which is just absolutely incredible. So we're really helping them manage their data for species management, manage their data for operations and planning as well. Very interesting. That does give a nice proof point and hoping to get many more of those going forward. Now, let's talk about the industry. Have you ever gone and tried to say, what is my addressable market and what are some of those drivers of it? Yes, looking at the addressable market is something that I do on a weekly basis. Obviously, as an early stage startup, we have to pitch a lot and we are raising capital very, very soon. So making sure that we have a solid addressable market is something that's really important to me as a founder. We are essentially creating a new category here. There aren't a lot of software products out there that focus specifically on biodiversity and wildlife conservation. So actually measuring our addressable market has been really, really difficult. A lot of bottom-up approaches here. So when I was first starting with Xylo Systems and coming up with my first pitch deck, I literally Googled 
how many conservation organizations there were in Australia mm. and wrote down every single one that I knew existed just from working in the space. And so now we've got this huge database of organizations, not just here in Australia, but around the world. And then we just multiply that by our subscription fee. Mm. And well, I mean, that's really our serviceable available market. There is luckily some market research out there now that I've been able to draw on and the total addressable market globally for environment, conservation and wildlife organisations is expected to reach $35 billion by 2026. And so that's growing at a CAGR of 9.4%. So really high growth market. And again, much bigger than I think most people realise it is. Mm, Absolutely. And have you noticed any differences between the markets globally without big, massive spreadsheet that you've no doubt got uh, behind the works? Yeah, it's really interesting looking at the different markets. I mean, Australia operates very similarly to North America, particularly the US and Canada are probably our most comparable markets. But when we start to look at Europe, Europe is really far ahead in terms of thinking about biodiversity, aggregating conservation data and making data-driven decisions to help manage what biodiversity they have left in Europe. I mean, they don't have a lot, to be completely honest. Mm. But I think it's very similar to what we're seeing in the carbon space, in the carbon credits market, in the carbon reduction space. Yeah, Europe is really, really far ahead in terms of developing innovative solutions for managing some of these global issues. But again, haven't really found anyone that's doing what we're doing in those markets, which is, I think, good for us. It's hard being first to market, but there's also an advantage in that. Yeah. Good segue there to talk about the competitive landscape. So have you come across anyone who has software that has the capabilities and anyone else who operates in that space? What are the guys, if they're using anything, using at the moment? Is it all white space? It's a great question. And in terms of data management and making data-driven decisions, conservation is really far behind compared to other industries. So I think the light bulb moment for me was studying artificial intelligence. And we had a project to take customer data from an e-commerce site and apply an AI algorithm onto that to help determine what sales message to send individual people. So this hyper-personalization in e-commerce. And I just thought this could be used for so much better, but that is where retail is at. Conservation is so far behind. It's very analog. People are still using paper records. For my honours research, which was, you know, less than 10 years ago, I had to physically take paper records of the greater bilby, which is an endangered species, mammal species here in Australia, and put it all into an Excel spreadsheet. And people are still doing that today. So we really have to look at the data management that's happening in this space. So when we look at the competitive landscape, Really, our competitors are Excel, their paper documents, their email, their PDF. Some conservation organizations are working with some more sophisticated databases like Access, but no one is using this information to draw out insights using analytics. There are no analytics platforms that help organizations work with both structured and unstructured data to make data-driven conservation management decisions. So that's really what we're doing. There are also a a few other platforms that we're starting to see emerge, and this is in a new space we call conservation technology. It is what it is. You know, it's the intersection of conservation and technology. 
When I say conservation technologies, most people think of, and some great examples are, using drones to monitor species in the wild. So you might have seen on the news here, there are some organisations that use thermal imaging drones to monitor koalas in the wild and get a better idea of what the population size is. Using that drone data, there are some platforms that draw in those images and use AI image identification to quickly filter out those thousands of images or video footage. That's an example of one platform working with one type of data. We are at Xylo Systems, a platform that works with all types of data, and that we haven't seen anywhere. Very interesting. And how hard do you think it is to replicate this? I mean, you've been building the business for a while and had the concept. Do you think others will come into the space in time and is it easy? I'm going to say it's not easy. The reason why we're able to build what we're building is because I have worked with this problem for many years. I know this problem inside and out. And it's actually when I found AI and analytics and, you know, this amazing technology that other industries are using, did I realize that this could be applied to this problem? I think often we see, particularly in the startup ecosystem, is technical people trying to apply technology to problems that they don't know. And I think having that lived experience like myself and my co-founder Jada have enables us to build a product that really addresses our customers' pain points and really addresses the pain points that we've had ourselves. It's really interesting. I was talking to one of our customers a couple of months ago, and they had another large financial organization come in to help them develop some of their organizational analytics. And I won't name names because this is a large one and everyone will know exactly who they are. But they decided in that analytics project that they weren't going to look at their conservation data because it was too complex. They didn't understand it. So unless you understand both the technology side and the conservation side, like my co-founder myself do, you're not going to be successful in this space. So we've really got a great defensible moat there. Fantastic. Um, let's talk about some of the unit economics of the business. What's your biggest input costs? Do you see economies of scale coming through? Can you talk through some of those drivers? I mean, our biggest input costs are our technical experts, that R&D, that is going to be our biggest input costs over, you know, the next kind of one to three years. That is exactly why we're raising capital to help us through this valley of death that we see in the startup space to help us get to that scalable size. And then we'll start seeing the economies of scale. But yeah, that technical team, the R&D is our biggest input cost. And then, you know, hopefully beyond that, it's smooth sailing into, you know, the lovely economies of scale. Yeah. Well, those uh, break even and cash profits. <laughs> That's what we <laughs> always like. And let's talk about some of your strategies for growth. So how do you see the next 12 months? What's in your profile? The next 12 months, we want to have at least 100 organizations onto our platform. We do have some early stage customers, but in the startup space, you really have to see that 10x growth. So by the end of this year, we're on track based on our sales pipeline at the moment to have at least 10 organizations signed onto the platform, which is huge for us because we don't yet have our product in the market, but we've been able to sign on a few organizations. We are actually launching our first product to market in October, which will help us drive that sales pipeline and really help us drive the marketing of what we're doing. But, you know, as I mentioned before, it's very much a network effect. So we already are starting to see the benefits of that effect in that people know who we are now before we even go and talk to them, which is 
so incredible. And it's probably the wildest thing of building a startup is when you reach that point and you start talking about what you're doing and people go, oh, no, I know who you are and what you're doing. Like it's the most (laughs) insane thing. So, yeah, really if we can get 10 more organisations onto the platform by the end of the year and then 10x that by the end of next year would be incredible. That's across Australia and New Zealand. And then by the end of 2023, we'll be looking to export to the US and probably Canada. And that's where we're going to see huge growth. Yeah, we'll be watching this one closely. And now I'm going to turn it back. You did open and mention some of the things about your background, Camille. Can you give us a little bit more detail about yourself and perhaps also your co-founder and what you um, experience you bring to the team? Yeah, sure. So I I mentioned that my background is in wildlife conservation. I'm a scientist. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Newcastle here in New South Wales and very much a coasty gal, spent a lot of time in nature. And I always knew from a young age that I wanted to work with wildlife. I was always obsessed with animals. So I think it was no surprise to my parents when I went off to university and studied animal and veterinary bioscience. And that landed me a job at a not-for-profit called the Zoo and Aquarium Association. Mm -hmm. And it was there that I was managing these really large conservation projects as their conservation manager. I was working with other conservation not-for-profits, state and federal governments, community groups, managing some of the world's biggest conservation projects like the Tasmanian Devil. But it was in that work I mentioned I became quite frustrated, but I also became quite burnt out. I was working very early in my career on some critically endangered species, some of which there were less than 50 left in the wild. And we were having to make decisions as to whether we continue to pour resources into those species or not. And that was really confronting to deal with early in my career. And it was at that point I realised that I wasn't going to make a difference with the tools and the ways of thinking that we had in the space. And so I decided to step out of conservation for a few years and skill up in business and technology. And so it was that then I decided to enroll in an MBA and it was the MBA that really gave me the confidence to start Xylo Systems and that's where I started looking into artificial intelligence. I was a scientist. I had no idea about like accounting or marketing (laughs) or finance. Like I knew I needed these skills, like that intersection of science and business to really make a difference for conservation. And I wanted to bring back some of those findings from the MBA to make a difference in the conservation space. And for those listening, Elise and I actually met doing our (laughs) MBA studies. So that's a nice little background for you. (laughs) But yeah, without the MBA, I don't think I would have had the confidence to go into tech and to start this startup. And I always say this with the caveat, because I don't think you need an MBA to start a business, to have a startup. But for me, it gave me the confidence and the skills that I needed to do this. In saying that, I've also learned so much in the startup journey. You know, it's like an MBA in itself. It's so insane how much you learn. Like I can build an entire website now and I can look at code and understand it. Like I wouldn't have been able to do that three years ago. You learn things so quickly. And I was having this conversation with my co-founder the other day, Jada. So she's our chief product officer. She has a background in conservation and mathematics. She's an absolute mathematics whiz, which is really, really cool. We connected last year and she came on board and and we started working together. And then I realized that I couldn't do this without her and asked her to be my co-founder. But she's got that mathematics and statistics background. Before 
she came on board with Xylo, she had some coding experience in, in Python and R, but throughout the startup experience of working on Xylo systems, she can now like code and like build these incredible things. She's building our product from scratch. So she's learned a lot as well using her science and mathematics background and mathematics is so important to artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms as well. So we'll be drawing on her expertise to start applying machine learning when we have enough data in the system. So yeah, a mix of science, business and technology has gotten us to this point. It sounds like such a winning combination on a winning cause. I'm really, really excited and happy to hear about the work that you're doing. Thank you once again, Camille Goldstone Henry from Xylo Systems. I appreciate your time and I can't wait to see the progress of the business. Thanks so much for having me, Elise.